All right. Well, we are going to start a, a new series. It seems like um, just because of how things have fallen, um, it's been a little while since I, I feel like I've been up here. Uh, we finished our series on James a couple weeks ago, and then Nathan Hawk did an amazing job sharing um, a week after that. And then last week, of course, we were at uh, Alan and Linda's, and Alan and Linda, and, I mean, I know we thanked you last week, but again, thank you so much for opening your home to us. That was special and fun, and we really enjoyed that, um, and uh, we really appreciate that, that being able to do that over there and, and having a good time and getting your house all dirty and all that fun stuff. So we do really appreciate you letting us do that. But today we're going to be starting a new series on worship. Uh, the title of our series that we're going to be call, uh, looking at over the next several weeks is called Encountering God. Uh, this is a series on worship. And as we kind of get into this, I want to kind of explain a couple things. Um, today is really kind of an introduction to this series. It's kind of a groundwork. We're going to be laying this groundwork down so that as we go over this in the next couple of weeks, you'll have an opportunity to kind of build on hopefully the foundation that we're going to be building at this particular time. So we're going to be kind of doing some things and that might seem a little bit different, um, but kind of uh, uh, hopefully a, a, a building area, a building foundation so that we can build up from here. Um, during the week, Dave and Sally stopped by and uh, they had brought something to the church. And so I was talking to them and and uh, Sally looked at me and she said, because uh, it was Wednesday, and Wednesday is usually my, my study day that I really spend a lot of time working on my messages and all that sort of stuff. And Sally looked at me and she said, it's really nice outside, it's going to get cold, why don't you take the afternoon off? And uh, I appreciate that Sally has the, the, the freedom to tell me to, to, to leave the church. Uh, I appreciate that. And I looked at it and I said, I said, you know, I, I, I would, but I got a lot to do. I still am working on my message. And, and the reason why was because I felt very scattered. I felt like there were about 20 things that I wanted to cover today. And I narrowed it down to like three. And so I, I felt like, and I told her this as they were leaving, I was like, I feel like everything is kind of, um, it's not the flow that I like to have. So I'm going to let you guys know that this may not seem real flowy, but I do feel like these are some important principles and understandings that we have as we kind of get into this, this series on, on praise and worship. So let's pray and then we're going to go ahead and get started. Father, we love you and we thank you. God, I ask that you just help me right now. Father, that you would speak through me, that, Father, my words would cease and that yours would come because your words are what changes people. Your words is, is where the power is. And so, Father, right now, I pray that you would just speak through me. Everything that's said, everything that's done, Father, would be according to your will and your plan and your desire. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we really get started in here, I want to kind of give you an idea of what this series will not cover. Okay, uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about that we will cover, but I want to kind of give you an idea of what we will not cover, because when we talk about worship, usually people go to a certain place. Um, it's not a wrong place to go, but I kind of want to give you an idea here. We are not going to be discussing styles. We're not going to be discussing loud versus soft. We're not going to be discussing old versus new. We are not going to be just talking about those usually, unfortunately, dis divisive things. We're going to look at worship as a whole. We're going to look at it as what God desires of our worship, what God looks for in our worship, what, why we worship and everything like that. When I grew up, uh, and then I went to, uh, I heard it when I was a kid. I heard it when I went to Bible college. I heard it even now. There was just this emphasis of, of preach the word, worship and word, worship and word. What does a church service have to have? Worship and word. Do I agree with that? Absolutely. But I found something that was very interesting when I went through growing up in the church, and then when I went through Bible college and then when I started as a youth pastor we would focus on the word and we should but I never ever now maybe you're different than me heard anything about worship 
Here is this pillar of what our services should be from the beginning. And I never heard anybody teach on it. I never heard anybody help me understand why it was important and what God looks for in this and why we should do it and what the point of it all was. And so what I want to do is over the next several weeks is do that, is teach us. Why is worship so important? Because here's the thing. This is the way I kind of look at things, okay? If it's not vital and it's not important, I'd rather use that time for something else. But I feel like it is vital. I think it is important. And if it's vital and important, we need to learn about it. We need to understand more about what God is looking for. Not necessarily in style, not necessarily in should we sing out of a book or off the wall, as my grandma would say. But in this idea of what it really is. Because I really truly believe that God desires a church of worshipers. I believe that God speaks and does mighty things during and through our worship. I feel like God changes us through the worship. I feel like he does that through the word as well. But I feel like God works together in tandem in all these things. And if you look at scripture, what do you see? You see see bodies of believers getting together, fellowshipping, opening the word, and worshiping, praising, experiencing God in that way as well. You think about heaven. You think about life after all this is over. What is going to be taking place? Worship. Lots of other things as well. But worship will continue. And we need to understand that. We need to look at that. So we're going to start by looking first and foremost at the theology of praise and worship. We're going to look at the theology of praise and worship. Now, there are at least four benefits, I believe, to studying praise and worship. I believe there's four. Now, there's more than this. I tried to narrow it down to four so that we could basically, you know, go have lunch and not dinner tonight. Okay? Does that make sense? So we narrowed it down to four. The first one is our theology can enhance our worship experience. The more we understand, the more we see God, the more we're going to do that. Now, I truly believe this. I believe the more you know God, the more you are going to be desiring to worship him. The more you express and more uh, you understand who God is, you be- that drives me to worship. Okay? I, don't, I don't look at God and go, because I see him in a little mini bitty box that I, drives me to worship. The more I see, the more I understand, the more I, I, I fathom of his greatness, that drives me to worship. And I want our worship experience to be great because we understand who God is, what he is doing, and how he is moving in our midst. And that's a big part. So as we understand who God is, as we study this, study God and study what the worship experience God has laid out for us in Scripture, then we can experience a greater understanding and experience a greater depth in our worship. The next, our theology of worship can deepen our relationship with God. As we spend time with God, that's a beautiful thing because our relationship deepens. This is a simple, easy thing, but we, and pastors use it all the time, and it's just true. The, the bottom line is you will have a deeper relationship with those you spend time with. You will have a deeper relationship with those that you are with on a deeper level. If you have a very surface relationship with God, that will, that will carry through through lots of different things. But the more you learn, the more you study, the more you understand all these things, it's going to enhance your relationship. I remember as a kid hearing, you know, we would have the situation where here's, here's so-and-so, and they're celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. And oh, isn't that beautiful? Yes, indeed. And they would say, oh, I love her now more than I did when we married. And I remember as a kid going, why do they let people lie like that? You know, like that didn't seem any, like I'm going, the more you know somebody, the more you're going to like find the warts and you find the problems. But it's true. As you deepen that relationship, 
You begin to love more. You begin to experience a deeper level that is so, so important. Next, our theology of worship will affect how we worship God through the word. Through the word. Okay? Now, I want you to understand this. I believe that God, most of the time, speaks to us through his word. But if we don't know what the word says, that might be a problem. And I can't tell you the times where if God has spoken to me through an audible voice or a different way through worship, okay, this many times, he has spoken to me through his word this many times. There are times where I will be in worship and God will begin to share with me a story that comes from his word or scripture that comes from his word. If we're not studying that, if we're not understanding that, if we don't understand that that is a part of what God desires to do, we're going to miss that. How many times have we basically been in a place where, where basically God will begin to speak to us and we basically, instead of really understanding what God is saying, we basically say something like this, boy, I, I really wish I got more sleep last night. Or, man, I probably shouldn't have that big old pepperoni pizza right before I go to bed. Because we think it's something else. But God is desiring to speak. And that when we understand the word and we understand how God is moving and how God is helping us to understand that, we can have a deeper understanding and a deeper appreciation with the word. Now, I have to help you with something because, because I think sometimes this gets to be a problematic thing. And, and it's almost like in the church world at times... There is this battle that's raging. And there's worship and there's the word. And they're like almost in competition with each other. It's almost like the, 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 the senior pastor wants to make sure, hey, don't, don't take worship too long because I need to make sure I have my slotted time. And the worship pastor wants to move into God's presence, but he's almost like afraid to do that because he, like, he doesn't want to get over the line. He doesn't want to get past where he's supposed to go because we have to get everything to fit in our nice little box. And if we don't have the word and we don't have worship and we don't have them fit, especially in their little things, then somehow God won't show up. Just so you know. So there's no confusion I have gone to John multiple times, way before we ever got here. And I've expressed to him this thing. You have complete freedom to follow the Spirit of God. If that means I don't speak, fine, because God is. And God will take care of it. So we don't look at, I don't look at, oh boy, man, we better hurry up because I need my time. I want God's Spirit to move. And I want the worship leader to have the freedom to be able to follow the Spirit of God. That's what we want. That's what we desire. So this is not a battle between two warring factions. This is two sides that are on the same team that should be working together. Because I truly believe that that's what God is doing. And finally, our theology of worship can improve our relationship with other believers. When you think about worship and you think about praise and you think about all the stuff that goes on with the music, you realize how divisive that can be? Do you know how many churches have been destroyed because they didn't like the music? Now, I want you to stop. I want you to think about that. Because sometimes what we do is we, we have these experiences and, 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 and we really don't understand, you know, I, I'm kind of, I, if you haven't figured this out, I'm pretty much just, just tell it how it is. Okay, that's just me. And sometimes that can come across as kind of harsh, and I apologize for that. But I, I'd rather be slightly harsh than, than, a, than a gummy worm. You know what I mean? Squishy. 
How many churches have broken and been destroyed and have not reached their God-given destiny and potential because we've complained about the music? Remember when we were praying, I said, we all worship something. Oh, we're worshiping something then, aren't we? My preference, what I want, what I think is best. Hey, if we as a church can understand what worship really is, that it isn't a song, that it isn't a style, that it isn't out of a book, or it is in a book, or whatever those might be, we can get some unity, and that's a good thing. We can understand that, you know what? It may not be the style I always like. It may not be a situation that I always like. But you know what? He deserves every praise, every honor, every glory, and I'm going to worship him. I like the song that John did today is, is I will. You, you, I like that song. You know why? Because it doesn't say I will unless. It doesn't say I will in case. It doesn't say I will if I get what I want. It just simply says I will do this no matter what because he's worthy of it all. And I want a church, and I think God desires a church of unity that comes together and says, you know what? There may be times where the music isn't what I like. There may be times where I think it's a little too slow or a little too fast or a little too quiet or a little too loud. But you know what? That's okay because I truly understand what worship is. And it's more than those things. It's deeper than those things. And so I believe that God desires to bring us together as a church as we study these things. I believe that God desires... To show us that unity is very important in all things and in all situations and in all circumstances. So, let's jump into our next idea. And that's quite simply this. What is Christian worship? Now, I use the word Christian on purpose. Because I think what we tend to do is, is we in the church as a whole, we like to, we're, we're, we're human beings, okay? And we like to put little labels on things, Okay? So here's how we label things in the church. Are you ready? This is a Assembly of God church. Or this is a Pentecostal church. Or this is a Charismatic church. Are all those things true? Absolutely. But that's what we tend to do. We, oh, that's a Lutheran church. So they have a certain style and a certain understanding. Oh, this is a, a Catholic church or a, a Presbyterian church or whatever that might be. I totally understand all those things and do not disagree sometimes that there needs to be some understandings there of, of some differences that we may have theology-wise. Now, do I believe that those things should separate us? Absolutely not. I think in the core ideas, if we believe those things, we should embrace each other. But there are some differences, Okay. But I use the word Christian because I truly believe the things that we're going to be looking at next are things that should be a part of every Christian worship service. Okay? Every time a group of individuals where two or more are gathered, we desire for these things to take place. These are the principles that we're looking for. And these are the things that we desire to see and should be a part of that. The first thing is quite simply this, is the activation of the priesthood. The activation of the priesthood. Look at 1 Peter 2.5. In 1 Peter 2.5, it says this, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You realize that we are a holy priesthood, a holy nation that basically that God, because of what Jesus has done, there is no need for a centralized temple anymore. I love the story, part of the story where Jesus, when he has given himself, that the temple veil is ripped in two. That is such a visual idea of what God is doing. I like when God does those visual things. I'm a visual person. And basically he said, you know what? That thing that divided you 
is now torn apart. So really, there is no need for a priest to go into the Holy Holies and experience the presence of God and then to walk out. We can do that all the time. So what, what is our job now? We're priests. We are priests. And we walk into God's presence and we begin to offer our sacrifices to him. We get to, get to give him our, the sacrifice of our praise, the sacrifice of our time, the sacrifice of our lives. That's what we're doing. And worship activates that. It's like in that moment, we have, we have walked into God's presence, and now we are laying down our sacrifices. It's such a visual understanding. But when worship starts, it's not a situation where we, now we sit there and wait till it's over so we can do something else. It is now time to go to work. It is now time to begin to offer our praise and our sacrifice to God. Because that is what our job is as his priest, as his holy priest. We are a part of that now. There's no longer a division under, under, well, you know, these are the Levites and that's what they do. That's all of us get to do that. Next, next, heart, soul, and body. Heart, soul, and body. Look at Mark 12. In Mark 12, verse number 30, we see this. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. We have to understand something. When we as Christians worship, it should be a part of, it should be all, all encompassing. All encompassing. Now, here's, here's what we do, okay? Some of us are really good at loving God with all our heart in worship. Like we get a little more emotional and it's a love thing and that's great, fine, and dandy, okay? Some of us do really good with the mind. We, we understand who God is. We understand his greatness. We kind of understand who we are and who God is. And we are, we are blown away by that. And we, and we are part of that. Listen, here's what I think God really wants us to do in this whole understanding. I think what God is asking us for him to do is, listen, first of all, let's answer this question. Is God worthy enough and, and should be praised in every part of who we are? I think that's easy. Of course he is. Of course he is. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Here's how how I do it, okay? Because I'm definitely better at certain areas than others. I have to be intentional on making sure that I am worshiping as the whole person. I sometimes have a hard time worshiping with my mind because I can get a little emotional, a little carried away sometimes. And so I have to stop sometimes and go, yes, I love you, Father. And yes, I am amazed at what you do. But God, the fact that you created this world, the fact that you spoke it into existence, Father, that is so amazing and I worship you because of it. We use every part of us. And I believe that God, what he wants to do in us is he wants to grow those areas. Now listen, if you obviously can tell, okay, I, I, have, I have lifted weights in my life and it was horrible. okay. When I played baseball, they were like, oh, you got to lift weights. And I'm like, why? You know, and they're, oh, that's just what you do. I'm like, no, but I did it anyway. And, and, and one thing I learned about lifting weights, and, and, and the thing about lifting weights and, and, and fitness in general, it seems like it changes every other day. So I'm just telling you, when I was a kid, they basically said, you don't work on necessarily strengthening what you're already strong at. You work at strengthening the weak parts. I don't know if they still do that. I don't know. Like, you know, gyms to me are evil places, you know. I like to go out in the mountains and ride there. That's, that's where, that's God's gym. That sounds weird. That sounds like a really bad t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Bad 90s t-shirt, you know, design right there. Um, 
But that's what I always was told. You know, you, 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 weaken, you strengthen the, weak, the areas that are weakened. Sometimes I think that's what God wants to do in us. He wants to say, hey, listen, you worship me great here, here, and here. But listen, I want you to understand through, through, through your mind what I'm doing. Just every part of us, every, every, every function of us to be able to worship in a deeper way. And I think that's important. And Mark shows that. Jesus shows that. Next, we've got to enter into his presence. We have to enter into his presence. It's a processional into the presence of God. Look at Psalms 100, 1 through 4. It says this, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then on to verse number 4. Unless that's all I got. Did did we get verse 4 up there? No, that's cool. That'll work. Hmm? Okay, good. Thanks, buddy. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We are are walking into the presence of God. Now, we're going to talk about presence of God in just a second. That's point three. But we have to understand that that is the point. That we are are moving in and we are going through. And and I remember as a kid hearing that, oh, you enter his courts and then you go into this thing and then you go into those things. And listen, I, I understand all that. I get all that. But at the same time, I just think that there should be a desire that any time we get together that we are in the the manifest presence of God and that we see that. Next, praise and power. Praise and power. Look at 2 Chronicles 20. I always have liked this story. It's been one of my favorite stories, and I'm going to give you a little background really quickly. This is the story of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a king of Judah, and he's basically, his kingdom is being attacked on all sides by, by three or four different other kingdoms around them. And basically, they are, they are really in trouble. They feel like they're going to be conquered. And so basically, they pray to God, and God gives them a, a message and a, a, a thing that they need to do. And basically, here's what happens. They're getting ready to, to, to meet for battle against all these other nations. And basically, it says, this, Joshua says, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. So let me give you this idea. They're all lined up for battle. They're getting ready to fight. They're getting ready to take place this, this bloody battle. And basically, instead of putting the army out front, he puts the singers. He puts the choir in front of the army. Now, I don't know how I would have felt as as someone in the choir, but I don't know if I'd been okay with that. I'd be like, can we just stand in the back? Yeah, we'll sing from the back. But he he puts them way up front, and then they begin to sing. He says, this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And then it continues on in verse number 22. And it says, at that very moment, they began to sing. I think that's important. It didn't take place. Listen, it didn't take place when the army was there. It didn't take place when the choir moved up front. It took place when they began to sing and worship and praise. In that moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. Basically in the story, basically as they begin to sing and worship, instead of those armies attacking Judah, they attack each other and destroy each other. There is power in our praise. There is power in our worship, and there should be so. Now you say, how does that apply to us? Listen, there is battle in the spiritual realm that we can't see or understand. And I truly believe that when we begin to praise and we begin to worship, we begin to fight back the enemies that we face. There is power there. And we see that in this unbelievably great story of a king in Judah. So we desire praise, we desire worship. And the fifth and final thing is quite simply this, it's got to be more than a song. 
It's got to be more than a song. Look at Hebrews 13. In Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, it says this. It says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And then you go on to verse 16. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These, meaning the praise and the action, are the sacrifices that please God. Listen, it don't matter how high you jump. It don't matter how loud you sing. It don't matter any of those things. If when you hit the ground, you can't walk in a straight line. God is pleased not with just our worship with songs playing and here on Sunday morning, but how we worship and how we sacrifice and how we do those things on Monday morning. Listen, I'm not interested in having this church that is just the greatest worship praise thing if everybody leaves this place and acts like Satan on Monday. You get what I'm saying? There has to be action behind. Oh, didn't we just have a series about that? That took forever. (laughs) We did. This is an important part of this. It's It's not just the praise and worship. It's being able to, after that is over, when, you know, there's that song, you know, when the music fades and all is stripped away, how do we handle life? And I believe that praise and worship can help us in that, not just in the moment, but after the moment is over. So it's more than just a song. It's something great. It's something important. And finally, the last thing is we kind of lay this groundwork as we kind of put these things down for us to understand We're going to be talking a lot about the presence of God. And I think we should understand the presence of God. I think we should understand that. Because I believe there are three aspects of God's presence that we need to understand as we study this together. Because if we don't, we're probably going to be somewhat behind. So we need to understand that. So the first thing I want to talk about is basically his abiding presence. His abiding presence. And look at Deuteronomy 31, verse number 8. In Deuteronomy 31, 8, it says this. It says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Look at John 14. In John 14, 16, we basically see this. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I am so thankful for the abiding presence of God. I am so thankful that God is not just around us, that he literally lives inside of me. That we now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I remember, I mean, think, come on, think about when you're a kid. When you go to a kid and you're expressing Jesus, what do you say? You don't say, would you like to accept the, the uh, sacrificial uh, you know, sacrifice of Jesus that, uh, so that you therefore could be uh, redeemed in him? No, what do you say? You want to ask Jesus into your heart? Remember, I, I like pictures. I love that picture of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. I remember as a kid seeing that picture. You remember that picture? Isn't that beautiful? I remember and some of those, and I don't know for sure, they didn't have a doorknob on the outside. It was just Jesus there, and he was knocking. And I, you know, Jesus was kind of in his um, artist's holy state, you know, so he was kind of glowing and, and stuff. But it was a beautiful picture. What do you do? You ask Jesus into your heart. When we do that, God comes, and he is living inside of us. 
So no matter, you know, it's like no matter where we go, he's going because he's with us at all times. He's not going to leave us. Even, even when Jesus leaves, even when Jesus is comforting his disciples saying, listen, I'm going to go back to the right hand of the Father. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'll send the comforter. He sends the spirit at that point. And we see this indwelling in believers, which is beautiful. I love the abiding presence of God because we never have to fear. Now, sometimes we do, let's be honest. Sometimes we wonder, sometimes we feel all alone. But the bottom line is because of his abiding presence, we're never alone. He's always with us. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And so we have to understand that God is always with us in his abiding presence. And that's the first thing we need to understand. The next is his omnipresence. This idea that he is everywhere at all times. Look at Psalms 139. In Psalms 139 we see this. David is obviously writing this Psalms and this is what he says. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning. I I love the, the, you know, David was an artist, you know. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. Can't get away. away. God is always, always, always there. You know, and we're going to talk about this in a second. I remember, you know, I don't know if you guys were ever this way, but you know where you started to kind of understand a little bit more? You know, you weren't a kid anymore. And, and, and so when we get this way, unfortunately, well, let, me, let me rephrase it. I got this way. Um, I got real critical of things. And so I would say things like, why is the worship leader inviting God to be here? Because God's omnipresent. He's always here. And I was so smart. And God looked at me, put his arm around me and said, oh, son, I love you. Knock it off. You know, so God is always there. Now, now, why is that important? Okay, why do we need to understand that? Especially in, in understanding of our worship. I, I think that helps at least me because I feel like that God isn't far away. Okay, and also it frees me up to do something absolutely crazy. Are you ready? To have church not here. Hey, last week, God was with us. God was there. We were in a home. When, when you go on a hike later this week, maybe you don't because it's supposed to be colder, but you get what I'm saying? When you, God is there. When you're at your work, God is there. When you're at your school, God is there. This is just a building. We are the temple of God. Okay? And we got to understand that. Because I believe that God doesn't just want his, our praise and our worship on Sunday together here in this building between 10 o'clock and 11.30. And if I'm going long, sometimes 11.45. Sorry about that. I think he wants it at all times. Because he's always present. He's always there. He's always with us. And the final thing I want to talk about is his manifest presence. His manifest presence. Look at Psalm 77. In Psalm 77, it says this. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the people. Psalms 51, 11. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, we have to understand something. There's a reason why I put Psalms 51 up here. 
Okay? David wrote Psalms 139 and he also wrote Psalms 51. The same guy who basically has said, I don't, I can't get away from your presence is now basically saying, don't banish me from your presence. How does that make sense? David understood something. He understood the omnipresence of God and he understood the manifest presence of God. What David here is asking is, God, don't take your manifest presence from me. Now, what does that mean? What does the manifest presence really, really mean? I think it means this. I think this is how I can understand it in my own mind. If I said something to you like this, we're all here together. We're all together in this room. We're all present. We're all here. Okay? But if I said to you, somewhere in this room, there is a doctor. There is a doctor in our midst. Now, you may look around, especially, obviously, you know, we know each other, and so that makes it a little different. But if there was nobody, you didn't know anybody, and there was a room of 100 people. And I said, there is a doctor, someone here. The doctor's presence is with us. His abiding presence, his abiding in that moment is with us. But if all of a sudden there started people getting sick in the room, and they started to be coughing, or they started, somebody fell and they, they, they twisted their ankle or whatever. Basically, and the doctor goes and begins to help that individual. The doctor is manifesting his presence through his action. Do you understand? So God is always with us. But when we desire his manifest presence, and quite honestly, I believe that's what that worship leader was saying when I was being a jerk is that we're not only desiring, God, your presence with us, because we know you're always with us, we know that you're always here, but we're desiring your manifest presence. We're asking you to begin to act out on things and begin to do things in our midst that will change and heal and make a difference in people's lives. That's what I want. That's what I think God is desiring from us, is that we have worship that is alive with the thoughts and the words and the understanding of God. We want his manifest presence. We have his abiding presence. We will always have his omnipresence. We always have his... I want his manifest presence. And you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, you've been in his services. You've been in times where God... We have even this weird little term for it. And we say this sometimes. Oh, man, God showed up. As a word to basically be, this is where God really manifested his presence. Do you realize that God desires to manifest his presence more than we desire for him to do it? That God truly wants to be an interruption to our services. And what I mean by interruption is he wants to basically say, oh, you made your little plan. That is so great. I'm glad you prepared. Now watch me go. Why? Not because just I can, but because there's a desire that I do something important. God desires through the worship and the word to bring his manifest presence to us as individuals. That's what we should be desiring. You say to me, oh, we had a great worship service. You know what makes a great worship service to me? It's not that John plays perfectly. It's not that his guitar stays in tune. Because sometimes that just doesn't happen. It's that God's manifest presence is here. And that we can go, wow, God did something in my life. And not just God did something as, to us as a body, but that God does something to me. God changed me. God spoke to me. God did something in me. I desire for the doctor to come in and begin to heal and begin to move and begin to manifest his 
self, his self through his actions to us. Let's look at Colossians 1. In Colossians 1, 25 and 26, it says this, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. God desires to reveal himself. He desires to reveal the secrets. He desires to do something special in our midst. And we've got to understand that. There is a desire of God in this time and in this moment to begin to reveal all these things. And listen, you go, well, God's revealed everything. Oh, are you kidding me? God has just begun to reveal. God is so multifaceted and so huge. God is revealing things all the time. The question is, are we going to hear what he is revealing? Are we going to accept those deep things and those things that God desires to reveal about our lives and about himself and about all that he's doing? I want God to reveal himself to us. I want God to be known. I want to be like Moses where we're on that mountaintop and we're looking at God and we're saying, I want to know you. I want to experience your manifest presence. Remember, Moses was there. He was there. He was in God's presence. And he said, that's not enough. We should be like Moses. We should say, yes, God, I know you're abiding in me. Yes, God, I know you're everywhere. But God, I want more. I want more. And God loves to bring it. If the worship team will come on up, we're going to close by looking at John 11. Also in your notes, um, I got a little um, excited. And so there's quite a few other scriptures that you can look up and look through, um, kind of talking about the presence of God. And I really feel like this is an important part of this. But what I want to close with, with, with this idea from John 11. And in John 11, it is the story of, of Lazarus. And, and most of you know the story, obviously, of, of Jesus. Um, Lazarus gets sick. Jesus does not come immediately. And Lazarus dies. And uh, he shows up, and Mary and Martha are, are pretty upset. And they're, obviously, they, they lost their, their brother. And so Jesus begins to minister to them, begins to comfort them. The Bible even, you know, has that real short verse, and Jesus wept. We we see Jesus' emotion, and we see all these beautiful things. It's a great, great story. And the Bible records that that Jesus basically says, you know, um, take me, take me to him. Take me to where you laid him. And so they do. They take Jesus to the tomb, and um, basically they're there, and it's a very emotional scene, obviously. Jesus is there and he, he tells them to roll the stone aside, you know, which, which is just something you didn't do, you know. And, and, and you see um, Martha basically go, uh, I don't think that's a good idea, Jesus, you know. And, and she goes even as far as saying, hey, you know, uh, he's, been, he, he's been dead for four days. Um, the natural things that are happening, are, you know, we, we put that rock there for a reason, and it wasn't just to keep wild animals out. It was to keep the smell away. And so she even says, don't open that tomb, it's going to stink. And Jesus says something very interesting to her when we understand the context of presence and the presence of God. Jesus responds in verse number 40. He says, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed So they rolled the stone aside, and then Jesus begins to speak out, and Lazarus is raised from the dead. 
This is a very interesting thing. Because Jesus here makes a distinction. He, he makes a, a there, there's something different. Obviously, Jesus is with them. Jesus' presence is right there. He's looking at her in the face. And he says basically this. No. He says, if you'll believe, you'll see God's glory. Can I, can I just be honest? And I'm not, I'm not talking about just Broomfield. I'm talking about the church as a whole. When it comes to worship, when it comes to praise, it's like we got no problem being around Jesus. No problem at all. We got no problem going to the tomb. No problem. Jesus, you want to go? We'll follow you to that tomb. No problem. We'll let you. We'll even, we'll even in some ways, check this out. We'll even in some ways have kind of an emotional response to the tomb. But I really believe there is a lack of people that are willing, when Jesus says, roll the stone aside, that we'll go there. You know, it's like there's a limit with our worship. There's this like line that we draw. And it's like, this is what I'm comfortable with. And remember, this, guys, this is not about how you work. This whole series is not going to be, I'm not, there's not going to be a Sunday, I promise you, where I say basically, well, to truly worship, you have to raise your hands. To truly worship, you have to stand up or sit down or, or do this or do that. That's not what this is about. I, I want to I alleviate those fears today. And if you talk to somebody who wasn't here and they're basically like, man, I'm not sure about this worship series. I'm afraid he's going to tell me I'm not worshiping right. I, that's not what this is about. I want us as individuals and I want us as a church to be willing when God says, roll the stone away, we're like, absolutely. Why? Because I want to see the glory of God. I want to see God's manifest presence in this place and in my life. And sometimes, sometimes it takes us getting to be a little, have to do something. Sometimes it takes us say, you know what? This isn't necessarily what I like this isn't necessarily the song. Listen, you, wait, I mean, I mean, I love John with all my heart. Do you think he sings songs that I like all the time? I could give him a list. Say, oh, these are my favorite songs. This is what we're going to do. No. But God's worthy. And I want to see God's glory. So that means I got to get my hands dirty and move. Around. Listen, those rocks weren't small. This is a man. This is a grown man. You think they put him in a little box? Just, you know. This was a big rock they had to get out of that way. It wasn't like they went up and go. Had to work. And when they did, God's glory was revealed. Dead things became alive again because God's glory showed up and did something amazing. I want that for us. But you know what? I'm just going to be honest with you. It, It might take more than what we're given right now just might. And that might mean different things to different people. For some of you, that might mean, hey, I, I actually may need to start actually just singing. As I study this, I, I could have gone into and, and bored you guys half to death with, with all the meanings in Hebrew of praise and worship and then gone into the Greek. And, and I could have done that. And if you want all those wonderful notes that I wasted, not wasted, but you know what I mean, I can give those to you. And all the things. But you know what I learned? When it came to praise, every single one of them, because there was like a crazy amount in Hebrew, every one of them 
basically had one theme, and it was an action. It was vocal. It was sound in some way, shape, or form. Now, am I telling you that you got to be loud? No, 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 no. Don't misunderstand. What I'm saying is maybe for some of us, for some of us, maybe it means that we need to start actually singing. Maybe for some of us, it is, it is raising your hands. I don't know. God will speak to your heart. This isn't like, okay, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. God doesn't work that way a lot of times. God, God is moving and free. And that's a beautiful thing. We follow the current of God's spirit. So I don't know what that looks like for you. All I know is that God is asking the same question. Do you want to see the glory of God? Because if you do, there are stones in our lives that have to be rolled away. There are things that God wants to do that we're going to have to roll stones away to let him do it. But God, guys, listen, when we do, dead things are come alive again. Dead things. New dreams, new, new visions. Things are going to be birthed in us. God is going to reveal himself in ways that are going to blow our socks off. And listen... I can go there by myself, but I want, I want to go with us. Let's, I want us to all go together. So as we move into this series, we're going to take one verse of Scripture, and we're going to dissect it. And we're going to see, because I truly believe it is a, it is a, 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 there are principles and there's a pattern in this one verse that we're going to use to hopefully, if we're willing, let God totally revolutionize the way we as a church worship Him. And I truly believe with all that I am. You know, I've talked about these steps that I believe God is bringing us because we're, we're headed to a direction. And I believe this is a huge step. You need to be here for this series. I truly believe that. I don't do that all that often, but I truly believe this is important. Make the effort to be here because this is going to change us, I really believe. But today, as we, as we close this service, I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. And I'm just going to ask a simple question. What rock is in the way in your life for seeing the glory of God? What thing are you looking at and, and, or what excuses are you making? Martha knows who Jesus is. She is with him. She's been with him. She has seen miracles. She's seen amazing things. And what's her response? Her response is, Jesus, I, I, listen, I, I'm hurting right now, but, but, but that's a big rock and that's going to stink. We understand your presence. We understand your abiding presence. We, we understand you're, that you're always with us and you're always there. But God, right now, we desire as individuals and as a church to experience your manifest presence. We, we desire for you to come and be more than a spectator. But be a surgeon and be a doctor and be a worship leader and be a pastor and be all the things that we need and to change us. For you to speak to dead things and have them walk out of tombs, even things that have been dead a long time, even things that have rotted and stink, you can make new again. It's what you do. And so, Father, right now, through your Spirit, Father, through, I pray that there would just be an, an enlightening right now. That, Father, you would literally turn on the spotlight of heaven and begin to identify in our lives things that keep us from that. 
Father, this is not about doing it a certain way or singing a certain song. This is about understanding that there sometimes are barriers between us and what you desire to do in us. And Father, you've asked us to remove them. Jesus, you could have spoken to that stone and a thing could have melted. You could have spoken to that stone and, 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 and just said, stone move, and stone, you, the stone would have moved aside. But you went to Martha. You went to the people that were there and said, do you want to see God's glory? Because if you do, move the stone. If they hadn't moved the stone, Lazarus would have stayed in that tomb. But because of their willingness to go further, because of their willingness to trust and say, God, you are worthy and I desire to see you in ways I've never seen you before. I desire your power like I've never seen it before. I desire more of you than I ever have had before. I will roll away any stone, any barrier, any situation. I'll find the line that I've made for myself in worship and I will knock it away and I will run past it because I desire you and I desire your manifest presence in my life. Father, I pray that that would be our call, that would be our desire. And then, Father, starting with the song we're going to sing in 30 seconds, we would roll those stones away. And through this week, we would roll those stones away. And when we get back together next week, we would roll those stones away. That this whole series would be, yes, learning about who you are and you worshiping and and how all those things are so important, but that more than anything, we as an individual and as people would roll the stones away in our lives and allow dead things to become alive again. Because you want to birth new things. You want to do a new thing in us and through us. And God, I pray that you would would just, just begin to show us those things and minister to us in that way. You're so good. We love you so much.